are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. It was originally inspired by the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and now complements the work that I do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a second, but a big thank you and shout out to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally focused job board in the nation and are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Thanks, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show, we were on the air with Sean Anderson, who is a motivational author, unlimited thinker, and lifetime entrepreneur with a history of inspiring others. He's written six books, the latest being Amicus 101, a story about the pursuit of purpose and overcoming life's chaos. We talked about how going the extra mile can get us closer to our dreams and our purpose and his current movement he's now taking globally to get more cities and countries to adopt his annual Extra Mile Day, which is a day recognizing the power we have to create positive change when we go the extra mile. And as of last November, he has 560 cities enrolled in this movement. Pretty incredible human being. Um, really fun to talk with. For this week's conversation, with me is Todd Raphael, who is, a, who is a commentator on talent and employment topics and is the editor-in-chief of ERE Media, where he manages conferences and content for recruiting leaders around the world. We'll be talking about how the increasing number of working fathers in the workplace present societal challenges for individual families and the opportunities that exist for companies to better support this working demographic. He joins us today from Anaheim, California, where he stepped out of a SourceCom conference that ERE Media is currently hosting. I'm so glad you did that for us, Todd. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I have been looking forward to this conversation. I think that what we're going to talk about, Todd, is really an important societal element that is often overlooked, I think, as you know, better than most, because you write about it quite a bit. Before we get into the actual subject, though, just to give some listeners some context as to who you are and what you do, will you just say a little bit about your professional background? And um, I'd love to hear also why you chose the field that you did. Sure. Um, I uh, was in the political world in Washington, D.C. after college, and now spent uh, very roughly a couple decades, actually, in the a world of recruiting media, recruiting communications, employment communications. So um, I'm in touch with um, really employers, recruiters, recruiting talent executives around the world every day, hearing what they're working on, gathering intelligence for ERE and whatnot. We put on conferences for recruiters and publications for recruiters, everything related to uh, hiring. So, um, you know, again, I'm in, I'm in touch with these uh, recruiters and recruiting leaders around the world on a daily basis. So what's great about that, obviously, you and, I, you and I met years ago at one of your conferences that you put on. That's how I originally got to know you. And the, your, your fingertips, your pulse to the heartbeat of how organizations hire today is, is, is pretty, pretty niched, I would say. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show to talk about this ever-increasing phenomenon of working fathers. Um, now, before I, I, I set up the show, I did a little bit of research, not, not a ton because I knew that you had already done a lot yourself, but I did stumble across a 2014 Time article that talked about how 
Um, today's dad has tripled the time he spends caring for his children, does twice the housework, all this kind of stuff, just comparing the previous generation. And I know you have lots of stats that you work from too, but can you kind of speak to the phenomenon, Todd, kind of help paint the picture for us as to what's going on for working dads today? What's going on is, um, as you're alluding to, maybe a third of kids have a stay-at-home parent of one kind or another. So between the huge explosion in single dads, huge explosion in um, stay-at-home dads, and just the amount of childcare that fathers have added to their schedules, things are just, of course, incredibly different now. Now, the idea of women's, men's roles, of course, that's really old news. I mean, there's been a lot of attention to women's getting the majority of degrees in college and master's degrees, and uh, there's a well-publicized Pew Research study about women are 40% of the breadwinners. So, you know, that stuff has been kind of publicized, but very little has been, very little has been paid to what's going on, which is that fathers, we can talk about this more, fathers are starting to feel a lot like working mothers in that a lot of the struggles and the challenges um, and good things, probably too, uh, that fathers face are the things that uh, mothers have faced for years in research is showing that is true among millennial fathers. Millennial fathers, by the way, are the ones who have been studied, uh, it seems like most heavily just because they're about the age of, that you would have a kid. Um, so some of the uh, lessons that we're learning from them probably also apply to Gen X or, gosh, even baby boomers raising kids now. But uh, much of the research has been done on millennials, fathers, and mothers. So what I hope that we get, that we, you and I accomplish in the show today is a couple things. One, I hope that, uh, that fathers out there who are listening are like, yes, somebody's, somebody gets me, somebody understands my, my world and is trying to help support that. And certainly, too, I hope that we enlighten and maybe give um, employers some ideas about what they can do to better support um, the, the working father. But before we do that, though, one of the things that, that I want you to talk about, if you don't mind terribly, I took this from one of, you, one of your blog posts, I think it was, but, you know, you've written that, you know, many of the fathers in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, they're, they're doing half or sometimes more of what mothers do. They're driving children to school, they're putting together lunches and breakfasts and dinners, and they're doing late night wake-ups and homework and all kinds of stuff. Um, and that there's that, just what you were saying, that tension of balancing school events with work and business travel and that just feeling of, I can't be everywhere. Um, can you just sort of speak to and illuminate further what that, what, what, what you've heard from fathers, what you've studied, what you've recognized as to more what's going on for them in that way? Sure. There's both anecdotes, like you know, observations and research out there, both. So just my anecdotes, one example, just from yesterday, I saw a post on LinkedIn where a father was talking about how um, he was so stressed to the max because he didn't know what to do. Because on Fridays, um, I guess he has nothing to do, nowhere to put his kid. Uh, his, I'm assuming the kid was just too young. Like, I'm guessing he was probably two or something, just too young to be like in preschool all day. I'm not really sure, but um, the father was stressed out. The resolution of it was ecstatic for the father. The company is letting the father bring the kid to work every Friday. But there's been a lot of anecdotes like that. A lot of research, too. Boston College has done, for example, a lot of research. And some things Boston College, as an example, is finding um, parents are asked, millennial fathers, millennial mothers are asked, millennial fathers are asked, who should pick up the kids if they're sick at school? Who should leave work, the mom or the dad? And the answers are starting to converge. It's becoming like either one, like more closer to 50-50, which is a huge change. Uh, millennial fathers are being asked, who does the majority of the care, you know, the homework, cleaning the room or yelling at the kid to clean the room, I suppose, and 
uh, making the kids lunch and breakfast and dinner, who's doing the majority of that? 2011, it was 70% of men said, my wife's doing the majority. 2015, 60% said my wife's doing the majority. At that rate, in about a year and a half or so, it'll be 50-50. So it's no wonder that you're seeing more and more things like a Craigslist post for a, for a parent's helper instead of a, mm-hmm. a mother's helper. Um, it's no wonder because millennial fathers are saying, wait, I don't need a helper any less than my wife. It's nothing against her. I, I need it too. I guess, you know, what 30-year-olds are saying or 25-year-olds are saying. Um, there's the old expression about, you know, mother's job is never done, which is incredibly true. Um, but I suppose for 25, 30, whatever the age might be, could be someone who's older, uh, fathers are saying, wait a second, that's incredibly true. You know, my, my wife's got a million things she does after work, waking up in the middle of the night or um, making the kids meals or yelling at them or whatever, but I'm doing them those things too, some fathers are saying. So the, the fathers are starting to sound a lot like mothers, um, and they seem to be starting to feel a lot like mothers. So Boston College, again, just to take the, that example, it's been asking fathers things like, is it hard to balance work and life? And the answers from fathers are becoming more and more like the answers from mothers. Like 68% say yes or something, and 60% of fathers say yes, something like that. So it's, you know, again, a couple years off from being about the same. When you ask these kind of emotional questions, is it hard and, and whatnot? And is it difficult? And are you challenged? Again, still a slight edge to, uh, to mothers saying it's harder, but um, fathers are catching up uh, quickly. And by the way, there's, there's uh, as with everything, there's exceptions to all of this. So like 3% of Americans have nanny, uh, nannies, 97% do not. But uh, likely if you're one of those 3% who have nannies, things are probably easier in some ways. And you probably know most people, most people you know probably do have nannies because likes attract likes. So you probably have a lot of friends in a similar boat. So, you know, there are always exceptions to all this. There's still um, very traditional or whatever the word would be, very traditional situations as well. When you were talking earlier, Todd, about how men might feel in terms of being a working father, I, I began to conjure up people who I know who obviously fit into that category. And, and this is the kind of thing that I know that they do is many of them do pick up the children from school. Then they go and they do homework with them and then they might even make dinner um, and spend maybe into the seven o'clock, eight o'clock hours with, with the children, or maybe even later, depending on what kind of projects they have working on for, for school. And then what they do is they go back and they go back to work until about midnight so they can finish their actual, all the things that they feel like they need to do for work. And that becomes an incredibly long day. Have you seen that trend showing up pretty, pretty largely too, or is that just people in my hood? Sorry, I started interrupting you. I was so excited to say I see it in the mirror because my, you just described <laughs> half of my life. The other half is I'm up at, you know, before 5 a.m. for the uh, global phone calls. We've got ERE members around the world, so if I'm talking to a... Uh, one of our members in um, Europe or Singapore or whatever, I may be getting up at uh, three hours later. So, uh, and then, you know, uh, like you, you know, like you alluded to, you know, I'm scrolling through a, a thousand LinkedIn posts to get to gather intelligence in the middle of the night and stuff. Yeah, you just described kind of every day. Um, so, absolutely, I've seen that, and um, it, you can t- we can talk about it more. Um, but I don't know, this is how a lot of people are working now in these bizarre kind of lifestyles, and I don't, I'm not so sure the workplace is well set up for it or ready for it or even fully aware of it. 
I don't think they are either, and I really do want to hit that topic. But before we get there, I want to I want to say another observation that I saw just recently. I, I don't travel a ton for the work that I do as a consultant, but I do travel. And so I get through airports and such. And I've seen this a, a couple of times now. And on the one hand, I think it's both wonderfully delightful. And on the other hand, it certainly indicates what you and I are talking about today. But, you know, when you're you're coming through an airport lounge or you're coming through a seating area and you see a man or I see a man sitting there with his laptop up or his phone and he's FaceTiming clearly his children. And there's the whole conversation about, so so who won? You know, who won the game? And yeah. did you score any points? And what's going on at school? And, and But I love the fact that they're they're still trying to connect even though they're not physically there. And then, you know, I can see that strewn around them is their briefcase and their suitcase and everything else they need to do to make that trip work. Uh, And I know you've written about what it's like when fathers feel like they're emotionally torn because they can't be two places at once. Can you say a little bit more about that? Um, A few things. One is that the majority of people who I deal with personally are female executives who are actually the ones in the position that you're describing. Actually, it's females, it's mothers who are working, traveling. Um, of course, I know them through work, so you know, if they were stay-at-home mothers, I may not know them uh, through my work. Uh, by definition, I might know them outside of work. But anyhow, the ones I know through work are female majority corporate executives who've got a couple kids and are traveling all over the place and are gone all over the place, and they're, I see them FaceTiming. And I ask them, I ask most, because I'm always curious, I'm into this kind of stuff, and I always ask them, how do you do it? And they all tell me, everyone, 100%, I've never got a different answer. They all say, oh, my husband's fantastic. He does this and does this, does that at home. None of them ever say any different answer, like, oh, oh, it, it, um, I have this uh, person next door. No, it's always, oh, I have this great husband, and he's taking, helping take care of things, and he's got a job. He does it from home, or he does whatever. So um, the scenario you laid out is a common one, but just as common that, the again, that the father is... Um, somehow kind of holding down the floor while the mother does that uh, at the same time. Got it. Got it. Uh, well, al- along those lines, Todd, one of the things that you mentioned in our interactions when we were getting ready for this conversation um, that I wanted to chat about briefly before we hit the, this first break, we've got about three minutes left until we ha- have our break, but you said something about more men are saying that their top father role model is Phil Dunphy. <laughs> um, who is helping his wife restart her career more so than Mark Zuckerberg, according to Care.com and other places that you've sourced. One, I don't know who Phil Dunphy is, but would you say more about this whole interesting phenomenon of, of role model? This is quite fascinating. Phil Dunphy is a character on a super popular TV show called Modern Family. He's the father on the show. One of the fathers. He's actually, He's got a... There's a grandfather on the show. So Phil Dunphy is one of the stars of this show called Modern Family. It's a very popular show. And as you said, he is, according to Care.com, more admired by men than Mark Zuckerberg, and more admired, by the way, than men admire their own fathers. They admire this fictional guy who's not real more than they admire their own fathers. Why is that? I don't uh, pretend to know all the reasons, but for one thing, well, let's just look, look at Phil Dunphy. He's, um, he works as a real estate agent but he also supports his wife's career. He's with the kids all the time on the show. He's like goofy and silly and kind of embarrassing and self-deprecating and klutzy. He's probably more like a modern man, millennial father that we've been talking about, um, than 
a lot of people maybe who were on a TV show, portrayed in a TV show decades ago, um, you know, the everything's perfect, I'm in charge, I have no feelings, my kids are, you know, everything's under control, I'm going to pop on the recliner and grab myself a beer after work. I mean, that wouldn't be probably something a millennial father that we've been describing could relate to as well, actually, or, you know, some of them could. Um, so it's not surprising, I guess, in some ways that this fictional person <laughs> is is uh, more admired than than people that they can't relate to. And um, again, as far as people's own fathers, again, who are apparently less admired than Phil Dunphy uh, by men. Well, again, people's own fathers, there could be lots of things that go into that, but it's probably, um, probably millennial fathers. It's such a different generation that the millennial fathers are thinking, I don't know. I mean, that guy was like gone or he was coming home late or he came home and he, he wasn't late or gone, but he just kind of read the newspaper and blah, blah. He wasn't like the kind of father I am. Maybe they're, they're thinking. So, you know, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. when you have a whole generation of changes. So, you know, but maybe that's just what kind of in the subconscious is, you know, they can't really relate to the role that their father played um, as much as they can relate to the role that this fictional goofball plays. <laughs> wow. Well, what a, what an interesting idea and a perfect way to take us into our first break, Todd. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Todd Raphael, who is a commentator on talent and employment topics and is the editor-in-chief at ERE Media, where he manages conferences and content for recruiting leaders around the world. He joins us today from Anaheim, California, where he stepped out of the SourceCon conference ERE Media is currently hosting. We've been talking a bit about the phenomenon of working fathers and what they feel like today. After the break, we're going to get more into maybe what some of the things that can be changed in the workplace to better accommodate them. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. 
Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Todd Raphael, who is a commentator on talent and employment topics and the editor-in-chief at ERA Media, where he manages conferences and content for recruiting leaders around the world. Todd has also been featured on radio programs from Boston to Los Angeles and in publications like Time, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Men's Health, Media Week, and the New York Post. Among several other hundred kinds of articles and and um, media, I'm your host Elise Cortez. Um, before the break, we were talking about what it's like now for for fathers to, to try to balance work and home life and be the fathers that they want to be. For this next segment, I want to get into perspectives, your perspective, what you've learned, Todd, what whatever you've been informed by, or even your opinion about really how the employment or how employers can respond to this phenomenon to better support men. So to to start, let's talk about paternity leave. Um, I actually am not at all up to speed as to what is the story these days for paternity leave in relation to maternity leave. So maybe start there. Help us understand what are organizations doing today around paternity leave? That's the first question. There's been a lot of, um, I don't know if you've noticed, there's been a lot of attention given to some companies like tech companies that have extended paternity leave um, to try to cope with or um, be, get up to date with what's happening in the, in the world, in the workplace, extending it from like a four weeks to seven and a half or something like that. Um, there's been a lot of attention paid to a lot of, you know, press that's happened. Um, from what I've read, interestingly enough, um, maternity leave and paternity leave both are actually decreasing despite all the... Mm-hmm. Um, attention paid hmm. to it. Um, however, uh, what I would say about paternity leave is I'm not so convinced that's the answer to uh, an issue, a problem here. Um, I guess it's okay, I mean, and I guess it's possibly well-intentioned, and I don't mean to, like, um, denigrate, like, like, sound like having a newborn baby must be really simple and, you know, mom doesn't need help. Um, I get it, you know, you're up late and you're, you're um, exhausted and she's possibly working um, these days um, with a newborn and so it's, it's, everyone's tired and stressed. So, you know, I get it, but I'm not so sure that paternity leave is the answer. In fact, I, I would venture a guess to say, because remember, paternity leave is really just about newborns, just having a baby. Um, you've got decades of this. I would venture to guess actually fathers would probably give up some of their paternity leave for a different kind of workplace and workforce than they're getting right now. We talk about that. I just don't know that paternity leave days really hit the target here. You can get into this more if you want. Well, and that makes sense, and we might. Um, what I'm getting from that, Todd, is because it's just too—it's it, it, too finite, right? It's a particular period of time in the child's life, and doesn't address at all all the years that a father is going to be involved in that child's life. Is that part of what you're getting at? Yeah, what I hear from observing, listening, so anecdotes, and then research is fathers are stressed about raising children. That's what's becoming tough on them, and the demands. Uh, of that, and they um, are nervous telling their employers, hey, I, I got to go. I got to pick up my kid because the employer is going to think somehow they're not passionate. They don't care about their job um, or they're you know, not motivated enough because they have to pick up their kid or they want to see the kids, whatever it is, game or recital, I guess, or something. Um, or, um, hey, why do I have to go out of town when I could actually 
do this online or why do I have to go to this sales retreat and you think it's fun and it's not. I, I want to not go because I've got a family and stuff. So men feel like that they are scared to say anything because they're just considered, they're gonna, they would be considered to be not dedicated enough to their jobs. Again, paternity leave doesn't fully address that. There was actually just as a little aside here, I don't know if you saw, there was, it was two days ago, there was an interesting article, I forgot the source at the moment, uh, it was New York Times or Bloomberg or something, it was about fathers and how few to none friends they have nowadays because um, fathers have um, filled their time between work and then the kids' stuff, the um, you know, homework or cooking or whatever it might be. There's nothing left. There's no, there's no friends that they have in many cases, and that's incredibly sad. But, um, I, and I can't remember the source of this just a couple of days ago. So uh, I digress, but um, again, these are the kinds of things, raising a kid, not a newborn kid, I think that um, fathers are most concerned about, not in any way to say that having a, new, a baby is simple for anyone. Mm-hmm. That's quite fascinating, Todd. I didn't realize that stat on, on, on having too many friends, but I, I see that and register that with other working fathers that I know. So, um, well, let's do this next. You have a very unique vantage point in the sense that you work with literally recruiting leaders all over the globe. And so you have some perspective. You've probably heard practices. You've heard about things they're trying. So what I'd love to do next is when we think about maybe workplace practices, some good pl- good practices that might actually help support men, Starting with the actual, you know, we think about the talent life lifespan, the recruitment stuff. So, uh, when we think about what can what can what can organizations do to better recruit talented men, talented men who are fathers? Let's start there. You mentioned that there's a lot of emphasis on recruiting millennials, but maybe your perspective a bit on what can what can employers do to better target and give a message to working fathers when they're actually recruiting them. Research from Boston College and elsewhere is showing that um, you ask millennial fathers, what is your priority? Is it money or is it family? Kind of a stark difference to say that, you know, one is the priority and the other shouldn't be. So I don't know exactly how it's phrased, but essentially um, maybe the question was asked, you know, is, your, is money your priority at all costs or something like that? There's been a huge decrease in the ones who, who, are, who, who say, you know, it's money. Um, and I just actually interesting. I just got off. I just got out of a session here, the SourceCon conference that you mentioned. A guy named Jeremy Roberts was talking, and he he talked about how um, his priority really is his family when he's um, courted by recruiters, and he wants them to know that and stuff. And so I think when you when a recruiter's calling someone and they start saying, you know, travel this and travel that, and you'll be on the road every other day, you know, um, you're going to lose people, and maybe the recruiter. Maybe that's okay. Maybe you're trying to recruit someone. I mean, if that's the pro, if that's the nature of the job, I guess that's one thing. But in many cases, you know, you're going to lose people when it's um, depending on the amount of travel and the rigidity of the of the the workplace. I know a lot of fathers who are mothers and fathers who are in their 40s and their 50s and they have kids, or one case, a guy I know named Scott has no kids, but he has two aging parents. He visits them twice a day. It's actually a very similar situation. A lot of parents, I know mothers and fathers are in their 40s and 50s, and they essentially can barely, if at all, and they have to leave the workforce, hold down a kind of W-2 job because of the rigidity of the commute and the hours and everything else. 
mothers have gone through this for years. Now fathers are going through this. They can barely get their work done with their commute and the hours and, and the demands. And in many cases, people I know, they work a ton. They love to work. They love their jobs, but they work on their own or they work in some capacity. It's like not a W-2 employee, a gig economy kinds of things or a contract or something that allows them to have a flexible schedule or a schedule that allows them to sit in, the aging parents or the kids. But they're not on a W-2. They're not like a full-time employee on the payroll of one company simply because of this issue of getting to work and being at work and sitting in the office the exact hours they're supposed to, nothing about their motivation, nothing about the amount of hours. Again, the people I know work tons of hours. I can give multiple examples. It's just about when those hours are worked and can they leave at a certain moment to pick up a kid and stuff. So it's just the rigidity of the schedule that I think is, is a real stumbling block. Okay, so I have two things to respond to that as you talked about that, Todd. One is, what I'm hearing is that employers are missing out on some pretty strong talent because they can't accommodate that. The rigidity is just too too much to, to, to handle. Um, and two, if there was a way, when I think about rec- you know, recruitment brand and recruitment culture, et cetera, you know, if, if employers really got that this was this is a, a, a real trend to address and support, I would think that they would behoove them to change their their message, their their what their, their stance in terms of their their recruitment sites, in terms of hey, we get you have another life besides just us, and we're ready for that. Um, something that would indicate that you know we we gotcha, and and we don't expect you to be here twelve hours a day straight kind of thing. I would I would think that would be tremendously useful in terms of a competitive edge for recruiting really really high talent that would otherwise choose to work for themselves. Yes, no, kind of. I'll take that a step further. Not only is the workplace inhospitable inhospitable in many ways to um, the way that many highly motivated, highly smart people I know. Um, who are having to work on their own uh, can work. Not only is it inhospitable to that, but if you look at what you're talking about, branding and stuff, if you look at the advertising, oh my God, it's like so heavily focused on millennials without responsibilities of aging parents or kids. There are website, career sites that say things like, join the party. And they have, you know, information about the annual retreats and quarterly retreats and foosball after work and stuff. It's not that I think the work shouldn't be fun. Of course, I think I think work should be enjoyable. I think that it's not enjoyable though for a working mother, father, busy, couple full time parents. Remember, we talked about the outset of the show. There are tons of single fathers now, tons of stay at home fathers, and tons of fathers who have the same or more responsibilities as mothers. So if you add all of that up, the idea of enjoyment at work for a millennial father, in many cases doesn't involve having a party at work. And it's not about um, not caring about their job or not being dedicated or motivated or smart or innovative. It's simply about their schedule and their time and what works to make it all work, not about how many hours they work. Yeah, I totally, totally get that. And I just, I, I think that there is tremendous opportunity. And you and I both know, of course, many people who specialize in recruitment branding and um, the, the the actual recruitment process, effectiveness, et cetera. Many, many of them that I know you rub elbows with all the time. Um, 
So I, I just I think there's a tremendous opportunity that you've really helped us understand that there's a growing phenomenon and that employers can do a lot more and better to address it. And so we've talked about the you know the actual recruitment piece a little bit here. So next, let's talk a little bit about what do you think that employers can do once what somebody's actually on board. A working father is actually on board. What are some of the things that you would recommend that they consider adding as best practices to support that working father? I don't know that I could sit here and name a policy to go implement. I can say this. I've talked about this topic on a, a couple of other shows, and um, it's amazing. I will get an email. I've gotten email saying, oh, my God, no one's talking about this. This is taboo, and I could not agree more, and things like that. And so I think it sounds like kind of just nice thing to say, but it's true just the recognition of this, just talking about this, I think is a big deal because no one's comfortable talking about this because the perceptions that somehow we're denigrating uh, working women in some way, which absolutely positively is not the case. Um, I don't think anyone who's posting ads on Craigslist for a parent's helper or trying to insult women who um, are mothers, who, and the, you know, of course the phrase used to be mother's helper. I don't think that's happening at all. I think it's just men saying hey, wait a second, I also need a helper just as much. It's, 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 it's not a knock on working mothers at all, but I think that because of that perception out there, people are scared to talk about this. And just recognizing this issue, I think, helps in making um, employers and employees in the workforce eventually over time, hopefully we'll be more comfortable with it. And eventually, hopefully, in a pie-in-the-sky world, uh, men will eventually be not seen as um, not committed to their job if they say, hey, wait a second, do I really need to go out of town on the first day of school or Halloween or my kid's birthday or is there another way to do this um, without being seen that somehow they're not into their jobs or something? I think that over time, just talking about this in recognition could help um, more than any policy. As far as actual policies, you know, I think that ultimately, again, a bit of a pie in the sky for some workplaces, but um, the more the workplaces move to, you know, we care about your results, not about where you work and when you work and hours you work. The more the workplace kind of moves to that, I think the better um, when it's really judged on, hey, are you sitting here in the office because that's better than being at home? Or are you here at 3 o'clock from 3 to 3.10 because if you're not, you must be on the beach? You know, I think the more there's sort of um, not just flexibility, but awareness that, you know, results are more important than, you know, sitting in the car and I'll our commute and pretending that you're doing something productive, I think that that's not helping anyone. Yeah, I completely agree. So, you know, one of the things that, again, Richard, for me, as you were talking about that part, Todd, is that when, when you've got an employee, a working father who feels like he's got a little more flexibility and can get the kids from school or whatever work, work is life, if you, especially if, he, if, you, if you say he can work virtually some, even some days a week, maybe even all, who knows, but Obviously, what you and I both know, and I know this because of the work that I did way before I got into what I'm doing now, but we get into the lowered turnover. I mean, employers are not going to want to leave if they feel like they're supported, that this is workable, this is tenable. I think about employee engagement. I loved the work that I've done over the years around employee engagement. And when fathers feel like they're supported in the workplace and that they're understood, even I just say, even just having a conversation about it can boost morale, I would imagine. So I got to believe that's going to connect over to a higher, higher engagement. 
Um, and then, of course, I think we could probably extrapolate into productivity and profits. But can you speak a little bit more to how you think or maybe what your your recruiting leaders have said about how some of these supportive practices make a difference in actual business results? I don't think that um, – I, th- I think the way to answer that is this way. Are the companies that are newer – and flexible or all remote or sort of more uh, friendly to employees in some way, are those companies successful as businesses or are they not? And I think that, you know, I don't see a correlation between the number of people in an office and the number of people, I'm sorry, and the, the results amount of revenue or profit or something of the company. I just, I have never seen that. Uh, I could just run by, I'll run down a list of companies that are more distributed or more remote, like there's company like, companies like Passable, which is all remote. And I don't know that somehow they are worse than their competitors uh, financially because they're remote. And by the way, to clarify something I said the last few minutes, I don't think there's anything necessarily about being remote. I don't think that's the answer or not the answer. Remote working is not necessarily easier or harder. I work remotely, and I worked when my second, um, basically when my wife was uh, in labor with my second kid, I was in the other room texting with our keynote speaker, Julia Gomez, about her speech. Um, I worked uh, you know, under anesthesia, as I was recovering from knee surgery a couple of years ago, and and basically every Thanksgiving to get our ERA daily newsletter out. So I don't consider myself like, oh, I'm on. It's remote. That's the answer. So it's, it's right. sort of, I haven't had an easier time working remotely. Um, although I've had great you know, point. with all of the bad stuff comes the ability to get to the good stuff. Like, okay, well maybe I'll make it to this event that um, someone who would have been stuck late at work wouldn't have made it to. So. But I, I'm not, my point is that remote work isn't necessarily the answer, nor is it necessarily the problem. It's just an example of one uh, ingredient, possibly, in being more flexible. Mm, perfect. And quite interesting. I want to talk more about that, but it's already time for our next break. Believe it or not, it happens so fast. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Todd Raphael, who is a commentator on talent and employment topics and is the editor-in-chief at ERA Media, where he manages conferences and content for recruiting leaders around the world. He joins us today from Anaheim, California, where he stepped out of the Sourcecom conference ERA Media is currently hosting. After the break, we'll talk more about how employers can actually support these working fathers. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Todd Raphael, who is a commentator on talent and employment topics and the editor-in-chief at ERA Media, where he manages conferences and content for recruiting leaders around the world. He has also been featured on radio from Boston to Los Angeles and, and in publications like Time, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Men's Health, Media Week, and New York Post, among many others. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So to finish our conversation here today, Todd, about this topic, this has really been quite interesting for me, too. I've learned a lot as well and become much more present to what it's like for my male counterparts to work. Um, one of the things that you and I talked a little bit about was this just notion of, you know, what can leaders do to really support uh, working fathers? In other words, the bosses of the world who have men, working fathers re- reporting to them. Um, I know that you said something before in one of your one of your your posts that it can seem a little unmanly, or maybe there's stigma for men to face if they feel like they can't really be all in for work. So, can you maybe sort of paint more of a picture for what that's like for what men feel like in terms of not being able to address these things, not being able to address all the demands given to them, and maybe what can bosses do differently to support these working fathers? Well, again, going back to some things we talked about before, when uh, men, when millennial fathers have been asked, again, millennial fathers, if you missed the first segment, millennial fathers have, seem to be, have been more studied than Gen X fathers, be, um, but some of these things certainly could ring true for Gen X or baby boomers raising kids. So when they were asked, millennial fathers were asked, my Boston College and others, uh, is it difficult to, to manage work and life? Fathers increasingly, increasingly, even changing from 2011 to 2015 even more, are saying a very similar results to mothers about how challenging it is. So um, with mothers, one would hope that with more, that when there were fewer working mothers in the workplace, that somehow maybe they were more understanding because their managers were 
dealing with children's issues, aging parents' issues too. Um, also, so maybe just the presence of more mothers dealing with kid issues and aging parent issues hopefully, maybe, presumably could have made or could make things better for mothers. And that's true with the fathers as well. And that if, say, you're, you're, um, you're more likely to have a boss, let's just say, who's a father with 50%, who's doing at least half of just as much um, of the home responsibilities as the wife, again, a very, very increasingly likely scenario that your boss is a father with as many outside-of-work domestic responsibilities as the mother then presumably they're just, by definition of who they are, they're going to be more understanding. They're going to be just, it's going to be more comfortable to say, hey, I'm running out, um, I just want to catch uh, my kids, blah, 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 and I'm going to um, spend a couple hours tonight catching up on emails, or whatever it might be. And presumably those bosses maybe have to leave the office um, as well, instead of, so instead of just sort of um, starting a meeting at four and going till six, rambling on and babbling in the the millennial father being uncomfortable, not knowing what to say, that they have to go because they don't want to seem like they don't care. Um, presumably that meeting could start at two and end at four. You can babble for two hours from two to four and not have to have the situation. If Again, if the boss is scheduling the meeting, the boss is kind of in a similar boat. So I think the key is the presence of more people like you in the workplace more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, as I sit and listen to you, Todd, one of the things that is going through my mind is I think about the work that we do at Insignium, which is really around breakthrough performance. It's around organizational transformation, which both of which really have to start with the notion of becoming really, really present to how you think about things, your lens and your mentality, which oftentimes is obscured from us. We're not aware of that. We haven't examined it. So therefore, we 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 can't really change it or adjust it because we're just not aware of it. And what I hope, bare minimum, that you and I are doing on the show is that we're bringing a, a new level of consciousness about this phenomenon in the workplace for anybody who's listening, ideally those who are actually in a leadership role, and certainly any any men or women who really like, yes, somebody finally gets this, right? Because I, the beginning of the change has to be to be able to become present to this. And I can tell you, even for me, Todd, and I, I study stuff about the workplace all the time. The phenomenon of working fathers and what they go through in the workplace was not on my mind. I didn't see that as something that maybe was difficult or strenuous or, you know, tense and that maybe needs to be addressed. I didn't, didn't see that. And again, from a business standpoint, as you talked about before, the issue are the people that you're not hiring. That's frankly the issue um, or losing, of course, uh, to another company. So just one person I know is top of my head, and uh, I thought about it over a break. He's this, actually a CEO of a small company. I'm guessing they have 10 employees. And um, he actually said he would give up. He has a partner. He said he'd give up his job and give her, and she could take over the business um, if um, he could get an aerospace job, because that's like his passion is like aerospace stuff. And... He said it would never happen because he picks up his daughter, I don't know, three o'clock or whatever it might be, and he also happens to like exercise, I think, around four, and he doesn't want to give up those two things. And the guy, you might think, oh, well, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, well, you know, therefore he doesn't fit into our place and they shouldn't hire him anyhow. That's not true. The guy works a ton. He works so many hours. He's such a smart guy. He's like a renaissance man. And there's no reason why he shouldn't get an aerospace job other than the workplace is set up in some companies that you're supposed to be there at a certain time, leave at a certain time, commute at a certain time. 
be sitting there in a chair at the desk by certain hours, and it's kind of partly, I guess, how you're measured. And if you accomplish just as much in five hours, you would be seen as um, somehow less productive. And again, I'm not suggesting that this guy would only work five hours. He works like 10 hours a day or 12 hours a day, I think. Um, but he would not really take like a W-2 job working for someone else. I think that is such, if, if, we, if, if listeners get nothing else from this, from this show, I hope that's what they're getting is that they really could, they really are probably missing out on really great talent because of the rigidity of the workplace. I think that is it. Boy, I mean, bottom line, fantastic net, net comment out of this deal for, for me, Todd, for sure. And of course, that applies super well to, um, you know, sometimes you talk to women whose kids are getting around third grade-ish, second, third grade-ish, and they're going, all right, you know, I could actually kind of go back to work now. I'm not, not having so much to do during the day as I used to. My kids are like starting to do stuff after school, like a sport or something. I even have a little bit more time than, you know, three o'clock or whatever school would end. But then the workplace, again, isn't quite set up for that, for the ability to kind of carve a job just a little bit around the necessities of having kids or aging parents. There was a really interesting um, thing where Amazon, I don't know if you saw, there was a real controversial New York Times article about Amazon's workplace and how intense it is and rough it is. And then I think Amazon implemented this thing where you can work. I can't remember the exact now. I want to say it was like three quarters time or something for like slightly lower pay. And that was really cool. And some people said that was great and it, and it was great. I think that's really like a great thing. But then there are other people who made an interesting point as well. And they were saying like, wait a second, you're kind of teaching people that just to have some slight, um, I don't know, flexibility or, you know, pick up your kids and then work those hours later at night, you have to be paid less. So, you know, again, it all comes down to, are you really concerned with hours and all that and location or is it about results? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's another, I think, really great thing to, a great takeaway from this conversation too is what's, what, what do you really, what really matters? Yeah. And, and, and and to that end, I would love it, and I don't know how much you can say about this, but I well, I know you do a ton of research and you talk with a lot of people. I'm just really curious to think a little about, about forecasting in the future, Todd. Maybe some trends that you foresee in the workplace relative to working fathers, maybe like in the next five years. What do you, what do you think is going to happen, could happen? I'm a little nervous about um, predictions, I I find predictions are either self-serving, like it's going to be the year of the mobile sponsored by Verizon, or they're going to be <laughs> like uh, right. just boring, like, you know, it's going to be the year of the free agent workforce 10 years in a row. So um, the gig economy, again, is going to be hot next year. again. So the, I find predictions are a little self-serving or boring, so I try to avoid them. But, um, but I, I think that the, um, the workplace, the work, you know, you see a lot of contradictory information out there. Yahoo tried telecommuting and, and um, IBM is now, I'm sorry, a guy who undid, tried undoing telecommuting and IBM is trying to kind of undo um, telecommuting, getting people in the office. A lot of other companies are mm. becoming more distributed and more virtual and um, remote only. 
again, remote and virtual is definitely not the sole answer to any specific problem um, in and of itself. It's just sort of one tiny ingredient. But so you see a lot of contradictory information about what's happening out there, good and bad, and so it's kind of hard to tell. Um, I would say that most that, um, as, and I think you'll probably agree with me on this, companies that are being founded by millennials seem to be a little bit more friendly to um, working mothers and fathers. Generally, they tend to be a little bit more casual and dress. They tend to be a little bit more, um, a little bit less hierarchical and um, less rules-oriented. You probably agree with with much of that. And so I do. Yeah. I would imagine that that all trend uh, continues and that the workplace continues to get um, a little bit more kind of employee-friendly um, in some ways uh, over time, very slowly uh, but surely. Uh, that sounds good to me. And if that's where we're going, that sounds that sounds like something that I could certainly support. And and I guess the really cool thing is that the work that, that I get to do is, uh, you know, they, they're going to need support for that because it's going to be a change. It'll be a, de- a departure. So anyway, I, I, I'm always curious, and I know how hard it is to talk about trends. I totally get that, Todd, and appreciate <clears> the fine line you had to walk there. So, um you know, really, we're, we've got just a couple minutes left on the show, and I like to give my guest, if you will, like the last word of maybe whatever's on your mind. And, and knowing that this show is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work, um, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Uh, you know, sounds like I'm suddenly becoming a therapist or something, but you're not alone. It's a little cheesy line, and um and I'm, you know, I'm not a therapist, not really qualified to tell people that they're not alone, but they're not alone. So, the, um, you know, if you um, read the article uh, this week about, um, you know, father's difficulties, finding time for friends, if you're finding it you know, difficult to say to your boss, um, you know what, I don't want you to think I don't care about my job, but come on, do I need to um, fly across the country to meet with this customer when I could do that online, is it like necessary? If it is, I'll go. If it's not, I think I'm going to go to my kids, blah, blah, blah. So you're not alone. Um, sounds like Oprah, but um, I'll be here for a second and, and say it. And I think it's true that the more I read, the more I hear. Uh, fathers are not um, openly talking to their bosses about this, but they certainly are talking to their friends about it and they're talking to their um, co-workers about it and their family about their challenges dealing with um, work and life, which is becoming awfully similar to the challenges that working mothers have felt for many years. Fantastic way to close, Todd. This has been a very illuminating conversation for me, certainly. I thank you so much for jumping out of sourcecom.com to join us for the show. Thank you for being with us. Thanks. If you want to learn more about Todd, his work, or any of his other published works, you can start by going to ere.net, and then you'll be able to find him from other places from there. Join us next week when we'll be on the air with Paige Valdeseri. She will be talking about the mind-body-spirit connection and leadership, as well as the phenomenon of active shooters and suicide in the workplace. Kind of an interesting combination show next week. So see you next week, and remember, work's at least one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
This week, find your life's purpose at work. 